Principal Matters Podcast, episode 196. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're going to talk about generation optimism with my special guest, Juan David Campolargo. Juan David could easily be described as a Renaissance man. He was originally born and raised in Venezuela and moved to Chicago when he was 14. And when he first arrived in the U.S., he knew no English, but mastered it in less than six months. Just a year after learning the language, he started to take college level and honors classes. This Naperville resident speaks four languages, Spanish, English, Portuguese, and Chinese. And he's already founded his first digital market agency called Optimum Smart. And he's the author of this new book, Generation Optimism, How to Create the Next Generation of Doers and Dreamers. I am so excited to have a student on my show. Juan David, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. Feel free to fill in the gaps on that that intro and tell listeners something else they may want to know about you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here talking to to you and I can't wait to share my, my my perspective on optimism, my generation, and most importantly, the the education and the educational system. So I, I'm super excited. Well, Juan David, when you and I began to interact online, one of the things that I was most excited about, of course, was your perspective on your own generation. On this show, we've talked a lot about Generation Z and how to how educators and education leaders can interact better interact with students and also I was really interested to have you on the show because as a student who's going through a year of closures and uncertainties with COVID-19 I, I would love to get your perspective on that but before I do I just wanted to just ch- first jump into your story because it is simply amazing and I know you've told this story many times to others but for principal managers listeners this may be the first time that they've heard your story so could you tell us what motivated you to write a book at your age and, and could you tell us how old you are and and where you are today Definitely so I am 17 years old and I live in Chicago The idea of the book uh, and how I thought of writing the book was because despite having a lot of difficulties and challenges and issues um, from a very early on, I was a very optimistic person. Despite all of that, despite the challenges, despite the disadvantages, despite everything, I was a very optimistic person. And and like two years ago, I, I was reading on, like an article in like some research paper that was talking about how my generation, Gen Z, is one of the most pessimistic generations in the history of humankind. To me, that was super crazy. Like, I couldn't believe it because our generation is living in the best time ever. Sure, we have the coronavirus and we have all of this, but the level of progress and innovation that the world has gotten, it's the best it's ever been. And that's one of the things that inspired me to write this book, to showcase and to, to inspire other people, especially my generation, to embrace this worldview of optimism. So, and that's why I humbly try to share my perspective, and, and I, I did it. <laughs> well, congratulations, Juan David. And take us back, because I know that your story is in some ways a traumatic one. And if you don't mind, I would love for you to tell Principal Matters listeners some of the backstory of um, before you came to the U.S. and uh, and how that those experiences shaped the young man that you are today. 
definitely way before I, I we thought about living in the US and moving to the US even was one event that shaped my life, shaped how I think it, shaped how who I am today. You know, way before moving here, a long time ago, my dad and I were going to work and and you know, fortunately Venezuela became a very dangerous place. So people would try to kidnap you or kill you or who knows what. So my dad and I were going to work and you know, unfortunately uh, the like, criminals tried to kidnap us. However, my dad didn't want to give up or you know, let my let did me something happen or who knows what could happen. And you know, unfortunately, they started, they started shooting all over the place. And unfortunately, he, uh, a gunshot impacted him and he unfortunately um, died. For me to be here alive, it's such a miracle because no one thought I would survive. And those are one of the events that would turn me into a very pessimistic person, nihilistic and, and very person who would be who would have a lot of cynicism towards society and towards the world and towards other people. But it turned out to be the opposite. And I don't and because of those things is because I turn out to be so optimistic and, and turn out to be when I'm trying to do this. Juan David, that is such a powerful story. And I know that in your book, you uncover and unpack all of that as well. So when you were able to come to the U.S., did you guys settle in Chicago first or did you start somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, we always came to the U.S. for vacation, like New York, Orlando, Florida, whatever. But we never thought of actually living here. And Chicago was one of the best places out of the places that we knew. So that's why we uh, ended up here. So talk about that experience when you suddenly are transitioning from a life in Venezuela, even though you had traveled abroad, and you're stepping in for the first time as a student in the U.S., you don't know the language, you're becoming familiar with the culture. Walk us through what that was like for you, Juan David, the lessons that you've learned from that, um, that might help others that are listening about the difficulties that they're facing. Definitely. And be happy to reach out if if I could do anything to to help you. So yeah, so... I got here as a freshman in high school. And high school can be, in fact, very stressful and scary. And, and for me, it was 10 times as difficult and 10 times as scary. Number one, I didn't know the language. Number two, the high school seemed like a college, more than 2,000 people, huge high school. And I didn't know the language. If you don't know the language, it's like, like you don't know how to communicate with people. You don't know what you do. You're lost. We're lost. You're simply lost. I was very motivated and I was a very goal-driven person. So before the first day of high school, I told myself, I'm going to learn English in one day. Because learning English would be a must in order for me to, to start growing and to start doing the things that I wanted to do. So what do you think happened after the first day? I couldn't learn anything. And the only thing I had was a bunch of headaches. But I didn't mm-hmm. care. So I tried again. A week, not even close. And then I tried again. Six months. And by the end of the six months, I was able to understand and communicate with my peers and teachers very fluently. And one of the things that the lessons that I learned and that definitely shaped my life and who I am today long term is that I didn't care to fail. And I was embarrassed to, to fail, to try it again, to try it again. But by being and having crazy high goals, I was allowed to do it in six months. I wanted, I wanted to do it in one day. It didn't happen. And I tried again, I tried again, I tried again. And in six months, because a lot of people tell you, maybe you're going to learn English in three years, four years. No, I just wanted to do it in one day. Didn't happen. Didn't care. I tried again. A week. No way. 
and then try it again, try it again, try it again. And then six months was when I was able to achieve it. And then the journey began. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's an amazing story and, and inspiring for people who are thinking about what you just said, the importance of taking a very difficult situation one day at a time, but setting goals for yourself that are bigger than you are. I love to call those big, hairy, audacious goals where you set goals for yourself that are bigger than what you could normally do. I would love to also have some feedback from you. As you have experienced life as a as an American student, you at some point became motivated to to write your story. So tell me that. What motivated you to to begin to think about the importance of telling your story to others? Definitely. I, I and I never thought of actually writing a book, and I'm definitely not a writer. You know, if you I didn't really like like writing essays in school, or I didn't like really like to like English classes. I mean, they were important, but I liked other things. Something that inspired me and allowed me to become to become more vulnerable to share my story because a lot of people, even if they have great stories, you know, the fear of embarrassment or the fear of failure don't allow them to actually do it. And I went for it, even though it's, it might not be as good or whatever, I just went for it. And something that inspired me is that there could be someone or that one person that could read a few lines of the book or could read uh, or watch a few minutes of me talking or, and if that person, that human being could be impacted and their life trajectory could be changed, I think that would, that would be more than enough. And my mission with a book or what I'm doing, that would be finished. Of course, one person, it's a little, and you know, I, I, will, I would love to reach billions of people, but one person would be enough and that, that's what matters. Well, you are inspiring lives every day, one David, including my own and Principal Matters listeners who are going to hear the show, I know will be inspired as well because there are leaders across the U.S. and across the world who have students in their buildings right now that they're thinking about in terms of students maybe that are learning English as a second language or students that are facing other struggles and what an inspiring example that you've been. I also wanted to ask you some for some reflections because as you and I have exchanged emails back and forth and we've been going through the several weeks now of closures due to pandemics, I've talked to a lot of education leaders and teachers about what that experience has been like, but could you give us the voice of the student for, for a little bit, Juan David. What, what has this experience been like for you and for your friends? And what are some of the thoughts that you've had during these closures? It's been a, a tough situation for many people, especially students. It's, it's simply not the same, right? And people don't like to change. People don't, people don't like change. People don't like what's different. And when we are forced to do something that's different, it's even harder for, for people. And honestly, a lot of my peers and a lot of students have been bored, depressed, anxious, sad, and it's it's not good. Because I saw that, I realized to do something about it. So I actually made an Instagram story and like post, and I post it on LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere. And I made a story, and I say, hey, you know, like many of us are sad, uh, bored, depressed, anxious, whatever. However, I have a different perspective, and I. One of the reasons why I'm not being affected by this, all, all of this that is happening is because of one reason, is one perspective that I have, is that when you work on projects that you care about in projects that help other people, all of that, every single thing goes away. And there's a concept that we need to understand. And I'll be happy to send you an essay that I wrote if you want to take a look at it. 
there's an idea and a concept called the idea of leverage. Leverage is the, is the idea that we can build and create technology and products and, and whatever you want to create with less money, which more people is in with less credentials. We don't even need to have a degree. We don't, we don't even, like, we just need to have an idea, put in that work and put it out there. And that's one of the ideas that inspires me so much every single day, the idea of leverage. And like I said, I'll be happy to send it to you and so you can take a look at it. It's fascinating. Yeah. I would love to have a copy of that. And one of the things that I love that you said there too, Juan David, is that when you are engaged in a project that you love, then suddenly you lose track of time. You're no longer distracted by the uncertainties around you because you're focused on something productive and something that you love. And to me, that's one of the best ways to learn as a student and as a learning adult, which leads me to another question that I wanted to ask you too, because this is a school leadership podcast. Most of the listeners are education leaders or aspiring leaders. And as you think about your experience as a student, sometimes you may have had the opportunity to sit with your school leaders and give them some feedback. But if you haven't, I would just love for you to be a voice right now to school leaders. What are some reflections that you would have if you had an opportunity to sit down face-to-face with the, uh, the school leader, a principal, and talk to them about what learning has been like for you, either in the normal school setting or in this distance learning setting. Definitely. And by the way, uh, the essay that I mentioned is on my website, just my name, Juan David or Juan David Campbell Arco. It's all there for free you know, if you guys want to take a look at it. So yeah, I'm actually writing an essay about my experience through the high school education education system values complacency over creativity and even intellect, which I know intellect is a little tricky, but just curiosity. It's not because you know, I like to think it's, it's there now, like people are not trying to do this on purpose. It's just because of inference of people don't know, or people don't know what you do, or people don't know about better methods. And this complacency in this method that we've built is that it makes teachers and educational people look better and not necessarily the students. So one of, one of the ideas that I believe deeply and fundamentally about is that education should get rid of tests and, and grades. And of course, there should be a way to test, hey, do you know this? Do you know that? Sure. But the educational system should be a project-based education where students should follow their own curiosities and teachers should be their mentors. That, that, that's one of the ideas that I'm I've been thinking a lot about now that I'm reflecting and looking back is that, honestly, I didn't really learn a lot of things in, in high school. Sure, I learned who, who George Washington was, where I, I learned this and that, but those things are not as important as they were before. And project-based education, that's, that's kind of what I did, like writing a book, starting companies, like giving talk talks and doing a bunch of things. That's how I really learned. And that's how you really learn by doing projects. And the last thing I'll, I'll say quickly, there's this entrepreneur, uh, the founder of Y Combinator. Uh, it's called, his name is Paul Graham. He, and he wrote a fascinating essay. No, no, it was actually a speech, but the school, after they read it, they told him to, to not go. So one of the things that, that he said in the essay, it's fascinating. And the essay was, students should treat um, school like a day job. And then after 3 p.m., they should start working on their projects. You've just hit the nail on the head, Juan David. And I, I love so many of the things that you said. And I believe that your comments are going to resonate with leaders too, because 
couple of takeaways that I took from, from those comments. Number one is that curiosity and creativity have to replace complacency or even compliance is what teachers are looking for too. And I, and by the way, I am speaking uh, to myself. I was a teacher for 11 years and a high school administrator for uh, 14 years. And so I know that there's this tension that exists in schools between trying to help everyone to stay on the same page and, and follow routines. But then, you know, what's the purpose of being there? And you hit that exactly, which is how do you help others find creative outlets, projects, things that, that ignite their curiosity and inspire them to, to create something with the knowledge that they have. And, and so I would love to read that essay one, David, and, and I'll be happy to link it in the show notes uh, to this podcast. And that's one of the things that I've actually been hearing from educators during these school closures is that some, I think in some ways school closures have kind of shined a light on the weaknesses of learning that's based around, like you said, testing or learning that's just based around assessments. Because how are you going to keep people engaged if you can't be in a room with them unless you give them something that's in a project-based style of learning? So I'm just curious in your own experience, have you had to create those for yourself or have you had teachers who have given you the opportunity to learn through project-based instruction? Definitely. And Project-based education should, and it's not like there's not going to be discipline. It's not like people are going to be just walking around the school and like not doing stuff. Of course, discipline is super important. And those projects that I'm always working on do not come from school. and They will never come from school, number one, because we're always doing the opposite. Even if you, I, I could tell you right now, maybe not because you are a nice person, but I could tell you right now, I have the best idea ever, and you will probably not do it because I told you. But if you find yourself, you will probably do it. So like, there's like the law of like, or like contradiction or whatever. And the other thing is that teachers sometimes, I, I don't blame them. Teachers are not sometimes aligned with students' interests. And how I've been able to find my projects is just doing something that I like that doesn't feel like work. When I'm working on my thing, it feels like watching Netflix or playing video games. Like that's the key. Like when you find that thing, you know that you are on the right path. And even if he, if it's if he doesn't seem aligned to what to what you're trying to do, it doesn't matter. Just go for it. And then when you look back, it would all make sense. But if I could say a little a few things about how to find projects would be first, find something that you like. And then second would be finding something that is challenging, but not too crazy challenging, but that is challenging, that you're learning, that you have to do something out of your comfort zone. And then after that, the motivation, the procrastination, the, the, the time, the money, the whatever, that all, like that, everything gets, gets removed. You know, like, like one of the things that I don't believe in is that if you need to watch motivational videos to do something, it's better not to do it. Like motivation doesn't exist. Motivation comes from within, internal. Because honestly, you go to high school, you go to college, and then when you graduate, you go get a job. But in reality, if you have some projects, if you have, because projects was how Facebook started. Project is how the internet started, how big things get started. Again, I'm not telling you to start Facebook or the internet, nothing crazy like that. But a project could be simply making videos or simply writing for fun or simply volunteering, doing simple things. And then you go from there and depending on how ambitious and how committed you are. Great stuff. Well, Juan David, I'm so thankful for all of those 
golden nuggets that you just shared with with school leaders. And school leaders, I know that Juan David's words are resonating with you because all of us know that when students can discover the things that they love, then they're going to be learning. And that works for adults too, Juan David. I think often about the whole reason that I'm that I podcast and that I write as well is because it's it brings so much joy to me. And so sometimes I may be two or three hours into creating content or working on some recordings or writing something. And it can even be for work outside of the principal matters work that I do. But I get lost in that because it's something that I enjoy so much. And I think when when not just students, but people in general find something that they can work in where they can lose themselves uh, because of how curious it is and how inspirational it is, then that's where we're, real learning happens. And so I think you're right. Uh, education that can help students discover the things that they love or give them the opportunity to experiment so that they can find some things that that may resonate with them are going to take them to to places that they've never been before. So I'm just really curious, what kinds of projects have you been working on with probably some extra time that you've had in quarantine or closures? Juan David, I'm just curious, uh, what are some projects that you're that you're working on right now or that you've been able to to tackle during these times? It's been amazing. I've, I've been able to do so many things that I thought I was going to do in a year or two years or who knows, and I'm able to do it in a month, two months, and quickly. And going back to the other question quickly is that the problem also with education is that we're teaching people and like they don't know what to do with what they learn. And a better solution would be, hey, do you want to be a programmer? Right. Let's go to a company and then that those coding stuff and then see what you need to know and then go back and learn it. And that could also be a, a strategy if, if schools are too reluctant to do projects-based education. If you're going to be a farmer, go to a farm. Hey, you need to know this and that and then go back to school. That's something. I think nice. that would save time and money because you and I both know that a lot of times students are training for something. They may even have a major in college, but until they actually go do internships, they've never encountered the industry or the work firsthand that they may have just spent a lot of time and money investing in. And sometimes they discover they don't like it. And so I love that idea too, Juan David, which is giving people an opportunity to explore the interest on the front end so that when they invest the time, they're deciding it's something that they actually have an interest in. Definitely. Um, but yeah, going back to the <laughs> the original question, what projects am I, am I working in? I'm putting a lot of time into my website. Again, it's Juan David Campolargo. I'm, I'm writing a lot of essays, basically publishing one every single week. And again, it could be from exploring ideas or talking about leverage or talking about tomorrow I'm publishing an essay. 4,000 words, long essay, about how language shapes reality. Uh, I talk about that. I, I've written essays about physics or what airlines can do to maximize profits during COVID-19. It's all over the place, but it's honestly an exploration of what it's like to be super curious and how that curiosity leads to other places. That's that. I'll, I also have a newsletter. I, I send it every Sunday, and that includes the essay and things that I'm learning about. And there's a section that I call curiosities. It's, it's, people love it. <laughs> I'll start a YouTube channel. I'm publishing a, a weekly video and also like a daily video as well. I'm learning coding and programming, machine learning. I'm doing that a lot. I'm working on a book about the future of marketing and how marketing will, will end and will die. Very interesting as well. And, and a few more. <laughs> wow, that is so incredibly encouraging, Juan David, because I, when I think about this time that we have, uh, I think sometimes there's two perspectives on these closures. One is... I've heard someone say recently, there's a difference between 
being alone and solitude, you know, because being alone is when you're forced to be separated from other people and it may not, can, can sometimes lead to emotional anxiety. But solitude, when you have that time to just really reflect and work on things, that's a gift. And so looking at these opportunities, if you are listeners, someone who has an opportunity to have more time on your hands than you have had before, think of this as a gift. What are some of the things that you've been wanting to always do that maybe you haven't had an opportunity? That could be learning a language, that could be writing a book, that could be learning an instrument to play for music, and maybe getting to know someone in your family more than you've had the opportunity before. So for me, Juan David, I know we don't know each other except in this digital communication, but I'm a musician. So I've already put together a couple of music projects during this time that that I've just wanted to have time to work on. And I finally have had the opportunity because I'm not traveling as much as I did before these closures. So thanks for those takeaways and congratulations on all of those projects. I hope you continue to find success in the work that you're doing. As we wrap up today's conversation, I wanted to give you an opportunity to, if you could speak to whether it's a student, a teacher, an educator, whoever may be listening to this, and you had an opportunity to give them a parting word of wisdom or advice, what would you say to them, Juan David, something that they might take with them from from the time that they've got to know you? One thing that people and educators and leaders and, and they need to be aware of is that when you are teaching someone, you're impacting them. And that could mean either positively or negatively. And when you impact someone positively, you have an exponential effect on the person and that goes well. But when you impact someone negatively, that has a, also a compounding exponential negative effect. And something that we need to realize is that a lot of things that are happening now in the educational system are not so positive. We're building the future of our, the country and the world on, instead of building the future on rock solid rocks, we're building a future on wet sand. and that's something that we need to think about and, and something that if we don't encourage people to start taking initiative, if we encourage people to start working on their own projects by following their own curiosities, by following their own intuition, that are, the future would not be as, as we all want the future to be like because we all want the future to be better than the present. Uh, Elon Musk said once, I'd rather be optimistic and wrong than pessimistic and right. And that's something that we need to understand that maybe the some, some of the projects that, that you're listening to right now are going to fail, but maybe if you try, you will succeed and you will have success. And again, be really cognizant of how we're building the future because the kids right now that are, that are in school are the peoples of tomorrow. So we need to be really careful with that. Thank you for your own optimism in a generation that has often described as critical or pessimistic. It's so exciting that you are being a voice for, for lots of young people who believe and dream of a bright future. Principal Matters listeners, I know that you have enjoyed this conversation too. Juan David, if, if others want to stay in contact with you, where can they find you and how can they reach out to you? Go to my website and I have all the social media, I have everything. Again, my website is myname.com. So. Juan David or Juan David Camp Largo. Again, Juan David Camp Largo. Everything is there and you can contact me there as well. Well, Juan David, thank you for so much for doing what matters every single day. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for the time that you've taken to learn and listen this week. Thanks for doing what matters and we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com. <laughs>